0: I ask you to just look around. Do you see God's will being done? Pick up the newspaper and read about the killing in Bosnia. The slaughter in Rwanda. The corruption in high places even here in America. The rise of satanic ritual. The killing of children. The abuse of children. It looks like someone else's will is being done and not God's will being done here on earth. Even though Jesus himself instructed us to use these words, there are at least a few reasons that I would like to give to you that makes it difficult difficult for us to pray such a prayer. And reason number one is it is hard to pray your will be done because it means giving up control of your own life. It means giving up control of your own life. So God has a will for your life, and also you have a will for your life. So when you pray, that will be done, what you are asking is that his will take precedent over yours. That's what you asking, that God override your will, that his will may be done in your life. Now, First Thessalonians 5.23, you don't have these verses, but you know don't, don't worry about it. It says this, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see in there, it says your whole spirit, soul, and body. So you can kind of see in that instance that we, how God created us, we have a makeup of spirit, soul, and body. Now, this is a very, very poor illustration, example of the Trinity, but you can see within us, that we are Trinitarian. And, and please, I say that very, very lightly, but I'm trying to utilize something in regards to, to, to show us that our, our spirit, our soul, and body is tripod, but the thing is, our body are not redeemed, as an unsaved person, our spirits are dead and disconnected. But once we become into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then our spirits become alive to the things of God. So our spirit is only alive in that capacity. So the Bible tells us to renew our minds. So the point I'm going at is our soul. Our soul consists of our mind or our intellect, you know, our emotion and our will. Those are the three things that reside within our soul. And those are the three things that have to line up correctly in order for God's will to be done in your life. You know, here's a good example here. Here's, uh, here's, okay, here's, here's three sheets of paper. And, and you can say in regards to, one sheet represents our intellect, one sheet represents our emotion, and one sheet represents our will. So in order for God's will to be done in your life based on that prayer, all three of them has to line up. So basically I have three sheets of paper, but you only see what? You see? And I think what happened many times is, this is what happened I think many times in the Christian life is, we are able to line up our intellect, we're able to line up our emotion, but then the will is what we struggle with in regards to turning everything over to the Lord. And I find out that to be the case for myself over the years. It's really difficult for me to give up my will for the will of God. But It has to happen. They have to line up. I I I think of, I I I want to ask Red to pray that I kind of stay focused, but I got sidetracked and asked him for something else. Because I get in this situation that I get things that come to my mind. And Paul always encouraged me is to go with the spirit. But I was trying to think of something. Let's see. Asking God by faith for the right thing for the right reason. So so I saw a definition years ago and it went, asking God by faith for the right thing with the right reason. So asking God by faith for the right thing, I think we can get that right. Just like lining up These three things we just talked about. But for the right reason, to glorify God, sometimes that's really difficult because we want what we want. So as I was saying, we are made of spirit, soul, and body. The will of man resides in his soul, which I was just trying to get us to see. And the soul consists of emotion, intellect, and will. And you see, this reason touch our will in regards to giving up our will, giving up control of our will. So only one will can be done at a time. Either God called the shots or you called the shots. Either he is in control or you are in control. It's not easy to pray like that because it means giving up control of your own life. But when you really think about it, and and we talk about this a lot, you are not really in control anyway because we are functioning under the sovereignty of God. So basically, and apologize for saying this, we basically are just playing in God's hand. That's all we're really doing. So if we really realize that, we ought to just, you, you, you know, it's just like a police coming into a place where some robbers are. And he said, Take them up!" And, and the, you raise your hand and you say, "I surrender." And basically, that's what we really should do with God—is go ahead and say, "Lord, I, I surrender. I, I just surrender." Then it'll be a lot of easy. <laughs> and I say that kind of laughing because it's really funny because. Mike, I'm really talking about me, <laughs> believe it or not. And that's why I kind of say this. It's a very hard prayer to pray. And think about this morning, the example that I gave in regards to dealing with my son. You know? So it kind of comes back to a lot of things that has gone on into my life where, you know, we want our kids to be robbed of their youth to gain wisdom. But I really find out that as I have gotten older <laughs> and I look back, I have gotten with them, but I really need it way back here. <laughs> so I'm really trying to drive that into my kid's head early in life. So I find myself many times robbing them of their youth to really grow them up so fast that they don't go through what I went through. <laughs> but anyway... That's uh, one reason why it's so hard to pray that prayer because we're giving up control of our own individual will because you think about it, there's an exchange that takes place. You know, when we come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, God imputes everything out of Jesus' life into my life. And he takes everything that is in my life, out of it, and makes my life a perfect life, and he takes that. So you see the exchange that's taking place. So now, by virtue of him giving me that, his imputing everything from Jesus Christ to me, now I am receiving Christ's will. Because Isaiah talks about our righteousness is just filthy rags. So all of that filth is taken away from me, and I'm giving Christ righteousness. So here's another reason, and I'm just throwing out a few of them, and you can probably come up with more. It's hard to pray your will be done because we often doubt that God wants the best for us. Look at the cross. That's the thing that really convinced me more than anything that God desired the best for me. You know, once again, it took me a while to realize that, but I know without a doubt that God desires the best for me. And I really want what God wants for my life. I don't want what I want. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that. I'm saying that with a very sincere heart. So we know that God knows who we are. He knows our name. He knows the hairs on our head. And we was. Just this morning, talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and what he went through that expresses his love to us and there's no doubt how much he loves us to do what he did on the cross. And here's another reason that it's hard to pray, your will be done, because God will sometimes Involve suffering and pain. It's really hard to pray, Thy will be done, because sometimes God will involve suffering and pain. And we have many, many examples in the Bible of people whose lives Involved suffering and pain who prayed that hard prayer and that was true of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you think about Jesus seized the cup filled with human scum approaching him and he recalled in horror and these are his words My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And that's Matthew 26, verse 39. And I stand here and I say, and I think that you know, without a doubt, those are not words of unbelief. They are words of a man who understands fully, what it will cost to do the will of God. And this was agreed upon way, way back in eternity past. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit set among themselves way back in eternity past and came up with this plan of salvation. And just as Isaiah walked in the temple and seen the Lord sitting on his throne, And out of that conversation, in the end, Isaiah said, send me. He was in close proximity to hear the words of God, had a need to to, to send someone out as a prophet, as a missionary, and Isaiah said, send me. So this same situation that took place way back in eternity past between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, In this conversation, Jesus looked at the father and said, you know what, father, I love you so much, I will do that. And over and over, I hear that in the Sunday school class, this was a prophecy, this was a prophecy, that's why this happened, that's why this was done. And someone may ask himself, was it wrong for Jesus to pray this way? Jesus was totally committed to doing the will of God. He was willing to pay the price. But in the horror of seeing the cup of suffering draw near, he asked that it might be removed from him. And he was only asking, is there another way that this can be done? And I just kind of mention many times in the flesh the work that God has called us to do is not pleasing. The work that he called Jesus Christ to do we look at it and perhaps say it was not pleasing. But in the end, what did God say? It pleased him to do what he did to his son. He said it pleased him, but yet it hurted him, but he knew he was doing it for the reason out of love for his father and for us. So many times in the flesh, the wake of God that God called us to do is not pleasing, but we must learn a lesson from Jesus here we must learn to say with Jesus, I may not like the work, but I will submit to your will, O Lord. Our flesh many times is weak, but we must allow the spirit to rule over the flesh. And if you remember, Jesus referred to the Father, he referred to God as his father, and over in open Mark fourteen thirty six it says, "Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what Thy will." By the word Abba, Jesus addressed God with the household term for father, and as you know, this was unheard of and palestine judaism at that time and jesus calling god his father only point to a very unique relationship between he and god and father is an endearing intimate word equivalent to our word daddy All things are possible to God. If the cup were to pass, all of humanity would be lost today. If Jesus Christ is to be our Lord, capital L, small O-R-D, which represents Adonai, the sovereign one, we must get to the point that we can say, not my will, but thine be done. In Jesus, the will of the flesh submitted to the will of the Spirit. And the cup. This was a cup of divine wrath, divine judgment upon the Son for the sins of the world. For for your sins and my sins. And I'm going to tell you something. That really the best way to look at the Bible, I was in a meeting a few weeks ago and Dennis said something. And, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what led Dennis to say what he said. But Dennis said, uh, what did he? But anyway, his final result was this. I'm the chief of sinners. But that's what Dennis said. And as I was driving home, I got to thinking about what Dennis said. And I said, Lord, you know, Dennis got something right. Because who, who else in the Bible claimed to be the chief of sinner? Paul did, didn't he? And if you look up the Hebrew, chief of sinners, what Paul referring to only means first. But in our English, we use chief as in charge of over something. But if you look up there in the Hebrew, it means the first. So I got to thinking, and I said to myself, "I say, well, Lord, Dennis is not the chief of sinner. I'm the chief of sinner." And how I began to look at that is in terms of this: assuming no one else in the world was born but me, would Jesus have to die? Say it aloud, David. So that makes me what? That makes me what? The what? Also what? The chief. I'm the chief of sinner, not Dennis. So somebody else in this church should be fighting Dennis and me for the title and say what? Morris and Dennis are not the chief of sinner. I'm the chief of sinner. And I'm going to tell you, if we begin to look at the Bible as though it was just written to us individually, it would change our whole purview of of how we worship God. It it would change our whole way of thinking. So getting back to, I get sidetracked sometimes, but uh, I appreciate you guys being patient with me sometimes. And I say this, it gets worse in the Sunday school class. (laughs) I think that's one reason why (laughs) they're choosing me to preach sometimes because they get tired of me listening to me in the Sunday school class because I show up some days and that's what I want to do is is preach to them. And I realize that I'm really just teaching and just guiding and directing the study. And it gets out of whack sometimes. But the guys are pretty patient with me. But anyway, I'm going to close up with this in regard to that cup. This cup, as I made reference early, was God's divine judgment on his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And Christ was to endure the fury of God over sin, Satan, the power of death, and the guilt of iniquity. Not what I will, but what thy will. This revealed Jesus' total resolution and resignation to do the will of God. He came into the world to do God's will, and that remains his commitment while he was on earth. And as I said, this is a very, very hard prayer to pray. Not what I will, but what thy will. It was hard for Jesus. And it is hard for us to pray, but we must pray.